Good morning, everybody, and welcome to True Crime Paranormal with this psychic sister. This is Katie Weaver, and I'm here for the Friday morning pop-up. I hope you guys are having a great start to your weekend. If we can call it that already on Friday morning, I think we can. I'm going <laughs> to. And I hope that you have enjoyed our programming throughout this week. Uh, this morning's pop-up is more of a news update, I guess. You may have seen our coverage of the Downard Funeral Home fiasco going on in uh, Pocatello, Idaho right now. And as the uh, case has, uh, or the week has progressed, a lot more information has become available. And so we're going to uh, use this time this morning to update the Downard Funeral Home situation. So as a quick recap, last week, apparently there have been a lot of complaints all summer about the smell over there, like throughout the neighborhood, as well as some big concerns from a local college, Idaho State University, uh, who had a program with Downard Funeral Home where they were providing them with cadavers for their med students and anatomy phys students, and things had gone awry with them. And there were some big questions about uh, what was happening over there. So all of these things compounded. They finally, the state sent an inspector out last Wednesday who discovered a badly decomposed body uh, at the funeral home. And at that time, the people who owned the funeral home did surrender their licenses to practice uh, uh, as a mortuary. By Friday morning, uh, the place was flooded with officials doing an official search of the premises in which they discovered 12 decomposing bodies as well as 50 fetuses. And that's kind of where we are at at this point. So yesterday, a couple of really important uh, news releases came out, the first of which came from Idaho State University. This answers the question of the fetuses. This is an extremely important thing for us to know because everyone has been heartsick about why in the world they had 50 fetuses there. Now you're still going to wonder why in the world they have 50 fetuses there, but I can at least help us understand where they came from. ISU said yesterday, in 2016, the Idaho legislature passed the, un, or the Idaho Unborn Infants Dignity Act, which generally prohibits public institutions from using unborn infant remains or embryonic stem cells for research or study. After determining the biology collection likely fell under the purview of the new law prohibiting its educational use, the university reached out to Downard Funeral Home for assistance with cremation and final disposition as allowed by law. In April 2017, Downard Funeral Home picked up the collection containing 61 fetuses, the majority of which were donated to ISU prior to 1981 and did not contain any new donations beyond 1998. So that's a really important. It's really good to note that uh, these were not recent losses. I've been heartsick for mothers who lost babies at Portniff, 
who may have had those fetuses sent to downward because no one knew, right? Now, interestingly, ISU says that they sent them 61 fetuses and the state took into custody 50 fetuses. So where did the other 11 go? They were supposed to be cremated. So did they sell them? What happened? Very, very concerning. Uh, But that's where the other 50 came from. So those 50 are now in the custody of the Ada County coroner and will likely just be cremated now. So now we have at least some answers about the fetuses, except for the biggest. Why the hell did they still have them? They've had them for four years. In four years' time, they just couldn't find the time to incinerate these fetuses and cremate them properly? Why did they still exist? You know, in the beginning, we said we felt like these fetuses were someone's collection. And then it cracked me up to hear uh, ISU using, uh, maybe it didn't crack me up, it it interested me to hear ISU um, referring to them as a collection. Uh, They were, for science. At any rate, uh, that's, that's the scoop with the fetuses as we know it right now. Maybe we won't ever know why they still have them. But I still would really love to know where the other 11 went. What the hell is really going on? It's hard at this point to not think that perhaps they were hanging on to them, trying to sell them. And I'm going to assume that those other 11 were sold because uh, they sure hadn't incinerated. So why? And at this point, I'm going to trust ISU's numbers way before I trust Downard Funeral Homes. The other big thing that happened yesterday is that the police released a description of six of the bodies that were found that they have been unable to identify. Now, if you're wondering why these bodies weren't tagged, that's a damn good question. If you're wondering how there was no labeling system so that we knew exactly who these people were, that's a damn good question. People who volunteer at the nursing home have tried to help. They've helped the best they can. But the people who know the answers to these questions are clearly not cooperating with the police. That would be the pecs. So Lance, you're a monster. You're an absolute monster. But We have chosen to read the police report in its entirety here on this program because locals do listen to our show. This may be a little hard to hear, but there is a hope that we can saturate this area with this information so that people who may know who these people are will step forward and help police with identification. So that's what we're going to do. All righty. Open up my notes. Okay. All right. So here is the full statement. The Pocatello Police Department and the Bannock County Coroner's Office are asking for the public's help in identifying the remains of six individuals that were recovered from the Downard Funeral Home and Crematory. The subject numbers listed below are not in numerical order, 
They are arranged this way for internal tracking purposes. The descriptions are listed as follows. Subject number two, adult male, approximately mid 60s to early 70s at the time of his passing. The male has an average build. Male has white gray mustache, short white beard stubble, balding with white hair and thick dark eyebrows. He was wearing a maroon t-shirt with a front left breast pocket. He was wrapped in a dark blue sheet around his back and had a red, white, and black plaid fleece blanket around his legs. He also had gold teeth and fillings on his upper rear molars. The male may have been in hospice care at the time of his passing. It is estimated that he has been at the facility for approximately 30 to 60 days. Subject number three, the adult male approximately early to mid 60s at the time of his passing. The male has a white beard with salt and pepper, short hair and a full head of hair. The male is barrel chested and appears to have a large frame. He was wearing black athletic pants and had on a green non-slip sock on the left foot and a red non-slip sock on the right foot. He was wrapped in a blue teal pattern fitted sheet and a white, gray, and red knitted Christmas type blanket. He also had a pillow behind his head that had a blue pillowcase with penguins and polar bears in Santa hats. The male may have been in hospice care at the time of his passing. It is estimated that he has been at the facility since late November 2020 to early January 2021. Subject number six, believed to be an adult female, believed to be in the early 70s or 80s at the time of her passing. Subject has white hair approximately to the collar and was only wearing a blue, purple, green, and red plaid button-up collared long sleeve shirt. The time estimation on this subject is unknown due to the circumstances. The subject may have been in hospice care at the time of their passing. Subject appears to have their upper teeth with a slightly crooked upper front right incisor that protrudes further than the left incisor. The subject has a very thin build and appeared to be shorter. Subject number seven, adult female, approximately 50s to early 60s at the time of her passing. The female is of average build and has dyed red hair that was in a bun on top of her head, but growing gray roots. The female had obvious tooth decay and her upper front teeth are very short and dark colored. Female was wearing a pink button-up pajama, pajama top with long sleeves that have sweet cat printed on it with images of black cartoon cats. The female did not have pants on. She was wearing white socks with purple toes and heels and you are amazing in pink letters. The female may have been in hospice care at the time of her passing. 
it is estimated that she had been at the facility for a few days before 9-3-2001. Subject 9. Adult male, approximately late 30s to early 40s at the time of his passing. The male is approximately 6 feet tall with an athletic build, brown hair and slightly graying hair, and has a well-groomed beard. The male appears to have been embalmed and had makeup on for a viewing and or funeral service. He was wearing a long white sleeved t-shirt and blue jeans. He has three distinct tattoos, one on the back of his neck that is a sun with sunbursts, one on his left side with a black bowl with red eyes and blue lightning bolts surrounding it, and a Rottweiler dog sitting on a pile of skulls on his right calf. Based on the circumstances, it is unknown how long he has been at the facility due to the embalming process. Subject 11. Adult female approximately 60 to 70s at the time of her passing. The female was bald and had a curly dark gray wig. She had pink acrylic press-on fingernails and was wearing a long pink pajama shirt with a screen print of a bear holding a coffee cup, wearing bunny slippers that said, I'm a bear in the morning, printed on the front. She had a medical port on her chest that was purple. The female may have been in hospice care at the time of her passing. It is estimated that she had been at the facility for two weeks before 9-3-2021. If you have particular information on one of these subjects, or if you are a hospice care worker that has information about any of these individuals, please contact the Pocatello Police Department or the Bannock County Coroner's Office. So there you go. Those are the individuals that have not yet been connected back to their families. One of them has been there since last year. More of them, probably. The embalmed guy they don't know. The one lady uh, they think is a lady, but she's literally that. uh, In that state of decomp that they are doing their best to figure that out. What in the actual hell is going on? How? How have they gotten to this point? I'm speechless about this case. I really am. I am. One of the other things that they have been struggling to um, figure out is that they also seized a large amount of urns and other cremains. Yesterday, they did announce that they managed to match up three sets of cremains to their family members. There's a lot more. This case makes me so mad and so sick inside. Every single one of us has or will send a loved one to a funeral home. Another local funeral home, Wilkes, has actually stepped up and offered to, for free, bury the people there uh, and do the funeral services. There were four 
bodies there that were awaiting funeral services. There were funeral services that had to be canceled last weekend because of this situation, because, uh, you know, <laughs> it was all done over there. Uh, so Wilkes has taken custody of those four bodies and they were offering because they were already paid for. My God, these fools were taking money for stuff they clearly couldn't even do or weren't going to do. And so Wilkes uh, offered to provide those services for no more cost because that's the right thing to do. But he also said in an interview that uh, people that come to his funeral home are more than welcome to tour every part of their facility. He said even the parts that might be hard to see, if you want to see them, he will take you through them. We didn't do that with my parents. I We didn't feel the need to, um, but I'm sure no one else did. Downard Funeral Home has been in operation since 1931. They've been here for nearly 100 years, and people did trust them. They're one of those funeral homes that has helped families through multiple generations. And here we are. So I guess if there's any takeaway from this, uh, obviously for the state of Idaho, it's to pay closer attention and inspect more and know what the hell is going on in these funeral homes. But for the public, I guess it's to uh, also pay closer attention, ask more questions. I, I, I think the big takeaway here for a lot of people probably is if you walk into a funeral home and it smells like decomposing bodies, get the hell out and don't let them be in charge of your family members. A funeral home should not smell like that. Funeral homes do have kind of strange smells. I'll give you that. They try really hard to not. Uh, but if they smell like a decomposing body, there's something wrong. And you don't want to be there. You don't want your family member to be there. So many people said that over the course of the last year, trying to attend services there was horrifying because of the smell. How did this go on as long as it did? Uh, in Idaho, they're regulated by the Occupational Board of Licensing because you do have to have a mortician's license in order to be in charge to own a funeral home, to operate a funeral home. Uh, Occupational Board of Licensing also regulates things like barbers and hairdressers and massage therapists and others. And they clearly weren't paying enough attention especially hearing from Idaho State University that they had big concerns over a year ago and stopped doing business with them, stopped receiving cadavers from them, and discovered that people have lost loved ones whose bodies were supposed to be donated to ISU. They thought those bodies had been donated to ISU, and ISU says, no, we never received them. So where the hell are they? There's still a lot of questions that have to be answered in this case. And we'll be here for it. We're paying close attention and we'll come back with it. Um, I truly hate this case. I do. But I feel like it's really important to keep talking about it. First of all, the pecs cannot, cannot get off the hook here. They cannot. There has to be criminal charges for what they have done. I mean, they're going to be sued into oblivion. You know that. I hope they are. They should be. 
I'm sure there's already lawsuits in the process of being filed, but there has to be more than that. How often are inspections? My understanding is that inspections are every year. And yes, with the amount of complaints and concerns, Stella, I'm with you. This is alarming. Uh, also, the Bureau of uh, Licensing does admit that they have cited them repeatedly over the last several years for various uh, infractions, but they let them keep operating. So apparently if you pay the fine, you're good to go. That's what's been happening. Yep. All righty, guys, that's it. That is our pop-up this morning. So Christy will be back with another pop-up tomorrow. I think we're going camping, but she's going to try. <laughs> and then I will be back uh, Friday or Saturday. Wow, where am I? Sunday morning for spirit school. I'm going to be doing the meditation for the month. We're doing a drumming exercise as well as some singing bowl work for clearing and balancing. I feel like I need it, well, after this. <laughs> All righty, you guys, please take care of yourselves. You deserve it. Have a good weekend. This has been yet another production of True Crime Paranormal with this psychic sister. Take care. <laughs>